And once again, we are live, episode 11, or as I like to call it, episode 011 of GRM Daily's TBC podcast, presented by myself, Michael Payne. Hosted by Renee, because Vidal's not well. And with a special guest, if you'd like to introduce yourself. My name's Adam, Adam Pugh. Adam, Adam Pugh, spe- pronounced Pugh, right? Yeah, Pugh, cool. P-U-G-H. So I've really, to be fair, only heard of you today. And it was a very interesting story. But I think something that would be more interesting if you were to tell it. So I'm not even going to give you an introduction. I'm going to allow you to do that. Cool. Um, Yes, I'm not surprised that you haven't heard of me before. Um, I'm just a normal guy. My name's Adam, as I said. Um, I am an ex-police officer. Um, I was in the Met um, in Southwark for four and a half years, pretty much. Um, Yeah, and that's that's a big part of my my journey. Um, I no longer work for the Met. I've been out for two and a half, three years now. So I've been out for a minute. Um, Yeah, ex-racist. Um, it's part of my part of my testimony, part of my story. I'm a white guy, um, yeah, and that's really that's really the 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 bulk of the backstory. I mean, obviously, I don't know what you've heard, but we can we can chop that up. Yeah, I'm gonna well, I'm gonna get straight down to brass tacks <coughs> and touch on the most interesting thing that you've said. Ex racist, mm. um, was that a sort of professional thing? Like, do you know what I mean? The, the fact that you've that you've I don't know if that's a self proclaimed title, but was it something that was a, a, a systematic routine thing or did you just have these ideas in your head about other races that you would, you know, that you feel to sort of confess or, you know, shed light on now? No, I, I, say, I say that to make a statement um, because I grew up in Deptford in South London and I went to school um, with a lot of people from Bermondsey. I live five minutes away from Millwall Football Club. I've been a season ticket holder for 15 years. Um, my family are a very white, middle-class, conservative family. Um, so I was I was brought up in that environment, in an environment that I feel, in a society that I feel is a, a racist society. I think we have a race issue in this country generally. Um, but I was a product of that. So I, I you know, I, I wasn't a skinhead. I wasn't a you know, I wasn't having tattoos and BNP voter or none of that, but I was a I was a product of that environment, and it led to me as a teenager having ignorant views just instilled in me because I didn't know any better because I was a product of that environment, um, and I've I've had to go through a period of unlearning those things, um, and really yeah, just challenging myself um, with that regard. I feel like people look at the world and racism, the whole concept of racism, as such a black and white thing. And don't really think about, especially these days with the whole rise of the Black Lives Matter movement and the civil rights movement, obviously, in, uh, you know, like years and years ago, like, was would you say that it was mainly like a white and black thing for you or was it just basically white supremacy? Yeah, it was white supremacy. It's white, it's white privilege for me. Um, it, it wasn't white or black for me. It was, it was when we were growing up, we hated anyone that wasn't white. You know what I mean? Whether that was Indian, Asian, whatever it was. If you weren't white, then you weren't, you know what I mean? We didn't we didn't like you. And if you challenged me on that, I couldn't give you a logical reason why. It wasn't a reason. I grew up in Deptford. I grew up on ends. You know what I mean? We all had black friends. I was all, always exposed to that. My neighbours were Jamaican, but we had an ignorant mentality. You know what I'm saying? And how about other like people from other countries as well? 
what what was your sort of opinions on you know French people, for instance, or or any immigrant that was white but wasn't English? I think at that age, I don't think I really thought about it that deeply. I right. think it was it was just it was a matter a it, was just, it was just purely a matter of color. Uh-huh. Um, I wasn't old enough really at that age to understand immigration and all of those things. It wasn't something that, that I was concerned with. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It was just it was you're not white. Yeah, yeah. And did you see them? People from people of of other colors was it? Did you see them as a threat, or did you see them? Because uh, for me, I I just want to try and get mm. into your head, not your head now, because obviously you've turned your life around and you you know you 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 have a completely different mindset now. But obviously you can remember some of the emotions that were going through your head and some of the thoughts. And was the, did did you feel that other races were a threat, or did you feel that they were, you know, was this? I suppose because supremacy, you think you know, it's fascism. It's like, you know, my race is there to dominate your race. Was that your mentality? Or did you just no. think, I hate these people because I don't understand them? Or, or you know, was it, was, it, was it a xenophobia? Nah, for me, for me personally, it was, it was ignorance. Um, and it was, you know, I mean, like, like I said, it was just not knowing it any better. Um, it was, I had, I had a, a heap of black friends growing up. Do you know what I mean? And, 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 you know, like I said, my neighbours were, were, were Jamaican. How did they take to that? Like when you say that you was, obviously an ex-racist, like you was living to them, living next door to them while you was a racist, I take it correct. The thing is, they they know me. So they they were there growing up. Do you know what I mean? I was in and out of their house. So when I say I'm an ex-racist, mm. I might not have been overtly racist. I wasn't one of them guys that was part of the BNP and the NF or whatever. I feel um, It was more of a, a mind state. And at the time, I wouldn't have told you I was a racist because I didn't know that I was racist. I didn't know that these thoughts that I was having were, were racist. You know what I'm saying? It's only now where I'm at on my journey now and where I've made progress that I realise actually that's that's racism. Do you know what I mean? And that's... that's go on. So, so did you never sort of like uh, like perpetrate any actual race crimes? No, I never perpetrated race crimes. But what I'm saying is, is I was a product of my environment. I went to school with a bunch of people from Bermondsey. I was in an environment where I was surrounded by Millwall supporters all the time that have, do you know what I mean? We've, we have that race problem in, yeah, that usually helps if you in, want our, to be a racist, in our so culture. You know what I mean? So I had all of these factors. And when you're when you're young, when you're impressionable, when you're in secondary school or whatever and you're around people, sometimes you do it just because everyone else is doing it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that was for me, that was what it was. It was it was fitting in. It was that was my crowd, those were my friends, that was what they was doing. And I didn't know any better. And I didn't see it as a problem. Fair. And what 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 was the I feel like I'm getting to this question prematurely, but I, you know, it's a it's a it's a burning point. What was the turnaround? What was the what was the uh, what was that poignant moment in your life when you thought, I want to kind of absolve myself. I want I want to like confess about you know my, my I want to confess my my previous mindset mm. and and I don't know because you campaign right you you mm. you are part of the Black Lives Matter movement yourself. I'm not, right? I'm not part of it, but I'm a supporter of it and and uh, yeah I, I actively take part in supporting that. So yeah, so what was what was the turnaround <clears throat> point? What what got you to to where you are now and how you think now? Was there a particular moment? Nah, I think it was it was a process of, of growing up and maturing. It was a process of being, having people around me that challenged me, challenged my perceptions, my views, my outlooks on why I thought what I thought um, and not being able to come up with logical answers, not being able to explain it. And equally, just realising that, you know what I mean? All of my friends were from that. Like when you're, when you're from an estate in South London where it is that diverse... You can't afford to be outwardly like I wasn't gonna survive if I had that that mentality. Do you know what I'm saying? So for me, 
I just realized that it, it didn't make any it didn't make any sense. You know, what I mean, and some of my best friends are people from different races, different cultures, different religions. Um, and when I saw how they were treated, you know, I mean, that grieved me and that made me want to kind of so, kind of speak up. So you see, with the Black Lives Matter movement, mm. what do you do for it now as a supporter, like in the UK? Like, what what is there to do as a like Black Lives Matter supporter, like? So there's a number of organisations here in the UK that are either connected with Black Lives Matter or that are actively promoting those issues. So you've got Black Sox, you've got Blackout London um, and they're independent organisations. They do their own thing. They do protests, they do all kinds of things. Um, so when I can, I mean, I've, I've, I've just had a son. My son's three and a half months old. So for me right now, that's taken over the, the bulk of my life. I haven't done anything for a minute. But um, for me... Uh, since leaving the Met, I've been trying to figure out, okay, how do I, how do I move forward from here? How do I take this message forward and get this out? Um, right now, I'm speaking out. I'm very vocal on social media. Um, I'm, I'm definitely trying to, trying to find my audience and where I fit in. Um, but yeah, taking part in protests um, with, with, with your finances, with the things I'm supporting, my, the, my, the purchases that I'm making, mm. um, just trying to, you know, make a difference. All right, all right. So with the Met Police, um, mm. hold on, we got a question. Did a did the racist mindset ever affect your police work? Like with the that's what we're leading on to. Like, did it influence you being a racist? It's and- hard. It's hard to say, right? Because I don't. I don't know. I'd like. I certainly like to think not. But there's there's all these external influences that shape the decisions that you make. Um, for me, part of the reason why I joined the Met was that was that was after I'd. I'd kind of changed the, the direction of my life. Part of the reason for me joining was wanting to make a difference because growing up on a peeps estate in South London and seeing people, seeing my brethrens get stopped and searched, that wasn't necessarily my experience because as a white guy, I benefit from that. You know what I'm saying? It's I, that I white a, privilege, yeah? Yeah, I have a privilege that, that comes along with the colour of my skin, but I was close enough to see my people, my boys, get it treated, get it treated differently. Um, so for me, it was about trying to make a difference and that was why I, why I joined. So I, I don't, I'd, I'd like to think that, that it didn't, but at the end of the day, you know what I mean? Your listeners will know, you know what I mean? I, I was a police officer in, in Southwark, so Peckham, Woolworth, anyone that had an interaction with me, you know what I mean? So you was a cool police officer then, like you was the cool cop? I live on the ends. I'm still on the ends. I see people that I've, uh, that I've dealt with, that I've arrested. I ain't never had a problem. Um, What's so, the yeah. reasonable fence? Like, are you like a discretional police officer when you was a police officer? Like, would you turn your eyes to set blind eye to certain things or? Um, yeah, there's definitely a certain level of discretion. Like when you're in, the reality is you get told to do things by outranking officers. And for me, that 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 was challenging because you have to give an account and you have to be able to justify the actions that you've taken for yourself. So there was definitely situations where I had to I had to say no and I had to say I'm not comfortable doing that and I'm not gonna do that. Would you care to elaborate on the situations that they or the circumstances that they tried to put you under? Yeah, there's there's loads, man. I was in for four years, but um I'll give you an example. I remember once very early in being called. Um we were called and it was it was to a group of youths supposedly vandalizing a bench. And we get there now, it's a bunch of kids, no older than fourteen, and they're BMXing, they've got their skateboards and they're bunny hopping on the bench. The sergeant said, go and search them. I said, for what? For articles to commit criminal damage. So I walk over to the bench. There's no graffiti on the bench. There's no damage. There's a couple of little rubber marks, but that's it. So as far as I'm concerned, there's no grounds because there's no criminal damage. He's like, I don't care. Search them anyway. I said, if you want to search them, be my guest. 
but I'm not going to do that because all that does is perpetuates the cycle. There's no need for us to do that. It doesn't help build the relationship between us. True, true. And that's just that's just an example, but there's countless things like that um, that I could probably reel, reel off. So did he search them in the end? Yeah, he did. And I got called into the inspector's office when I got back to the station and had to give an account for why I, why I told an outranking officer that I wasn't going to do it. Did he find anything on them? No. So you were vindicated in that sense anyway? Yeah. Yeah, there was no criminal damage. So at the point that there's no damage, yeah. where were your grounds to search? So you was dealing on a moral side, a moral, logical side of things instead of being... Yeah, I'm not going to do anything that I'm not comfortable with, that, I'm not, that I don't agree with, that I don't believe in. And that's why I had to leave in the end. Were there any uh, particular incidents while you were on the, f in, you know, working for the Met? Um, because we're not allowed to call it the force anymore, is it? Supposedly it's not a force, it's a service. Yeah, supposedly. That's, what have, that's what they'll have you believe, yeah, yeah. the MPS. Word. I thought it was because like Star Wars had copywritten it. Was like, <laughs> to be fair, um, no. I uh, were there any instances of like outward sort of discrimination or racism from any of your colleagues in the Met? Because everyone everyone talks about it, you know. Everyone talks about it as this concept, but you know, I've never heard it from an ex or a current police officer's mouth. It, it depends what you want to, what you call outward racism. I would say yes, but, mm -hmm. but they wouldn't necessarily see it that way. They, they will search people because of the color of their skin, but they don't realize that that's what they're doing because it's deep when you really look into it. Right. I mean, if you take, you take a group of people, so I, I Southwark for an example, at least 90% of the officers on that borough are white, at least. None of them live, well, very few of them live on the borough or in, you eat, or in London. I don't shit right? when you sleep. I feel you on that one still. <laughs> so, so these are people that they live in highly populated white areas, Surrey, Kent, Essex, Gravesend, wherever. And they come into London to work. The shift pattern's antisocial. So they date within the job. They socialize within the job. This is, becomes their identity. Yeah, This is who they are. This is their life. And the only interaction that they have with somebody from a different race, a different culture, a different religion is negative. It's crime. So they might not be racist. They'll tell you till they're blue in the face. They're not racist. I've got black mates. <laughs> the famous line. Here that I've got, mm. I've, uh, my cousin's black, whatever. You're still a racist. But after a period of time, do you know what I mean? They, they connect the dots. Yeah. Stereotypes, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they react. And for to... me, that's, that's, that's overt racism. You're stopping him for no other reason than because of the color of his skin. And you fall back on our suspicious behavior. Cool. What's suspicious behavior? What's that? Standing around with your friends on a street corner. With your hood up. Keeping warm. But see, if I, if I do that and I've got my hoodie on, I look more like Mark Zuckerberg than I do Trayvon Martin because I'm white. I feel you. But when you do it, it's suspicious behavior. So, so do you, do, do you, sorry, do you not think that there's, there is a, like, do you, do you not think it's anything to do with class at all? Do you think it's purely, do you think that if I was walking down the street dressed like I am now, mm -hmm. I would be more likely to be stopped and searched than you? Because I actually think, that, like my, my opinion is to the contrary. I think you'd be more likely to be stopped and searched if you were walking down the street like that now mm. and I was walking down, what the fuck are they going to find on me dressed like this? <laughs> <laughs> I it's, mean, It's true, but statistically... Statistically, that doesn't seem to be the case. Statistically, you're 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 much more likely to be stopped than I am. But do you think it's a, do you do you think that there is an element of classism definitely, in there definitely. as well? Definitely, there's though? a there's a, that's that's the makeup of this country. We've got there's a race problem. There's a there's a class structure in this country that America doesn't have. So there's all of these 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 factors that come into it. Mm. You know, what I mean, there's economic 
there, there's lots of different factors. And is there, is there a particular reason you left the force? The yeah. service. Sorry. Yeah. The service. Oh, we can call it the force. That's cool. We can call it the force. I left the force because it wasn't where I wanted to be long term. Um, because I joined to make a difference um, in my community. Not, you know, I saw when I stayed, I saw very much the difference that I was going to be able to make was the attitudes of my colleagues. Mm. But that wasn't what I wanted to do long term. I wanted to um, to really make a, a, a bigger difference. Um, my passion is change, rehabilitation. If I was going to do anything, it would be either the rehabilitation of offenders or early intervention and stopping people before they go down that route. Mm. Um, but being in that job and being part of a process that brings them in, locks them up, passes them on, isn't effective. It doesn't help. It's not working. It's not for me. Do you do you think that because the reason one the main reason I asked you if you'd ever perpetrated an actual like race crime um, was because do, do I wanted to lead on to this question do you think that perhaps describing yourself as an ex-racist when there is no physical evidence because everything's go through people's minds is what I'm saying right mm -hmm. so do you think that it might do more harm than good to 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 to, to be a self-proclaimed ex-racist maybe because it will maybe. just create this stigma in it where people have this first impression of you maybe and think oh my god like did he stab my nan one time <laughs> black or do you know what i mean I hear you. Yeah. Do, do you think it might do you think it does more harm than yeah good? maybe that's i guess that's yet to be seen it hasn't done that kind of damage yet and i think largely speaking most people do you know what i mean have, have given me the time to know enough about me to know what i'm about um it, go on what were you gonna say yeah, i was gonna say sorry to cut you on it um i just want to get back to the force issue um when you was there did you hear of any or witness any like grievances towards like people in terms of like brutality, police brutality or overstepping mm. the mark. Or even witness any. Yeah, or witness any. I didn't, I didn't witness any. Um, I've heard from friends, um, think situations that they've been in. And within been, your um, department of the force, yeah? Not within my department, okay. but within my borough, yeah. Okay. Certainly within my, my borough. Um, but I didn't directly witness any. Um, but so working, uh, working in Southwark, doing a lot of nightlife work, um, on nighttime on the borough. So like we've got clubs like Ministry of Sound, Cable, um, which ain't there no more. R. But R. Um, yeah, so I saw a lot of, you know what I mean, drug and alcohol related crime um, where it got physical. Um, but yeah, I guess fortunately I didn't see that, but that don't mean it don't happen. What's your take on that though? On police brutality? Yeah, in terms of like in the UK. The one thing I always hear from people is it's not as bad as it is in America. And that might be true, but that doesn't mean that we don't have an issue here. Mm. Um, you know, we had a case recently, um, Sarah Reed, um, found dead in a in a cell. Um, you know, I mean, she was a victim of, of police brutality. There's there's you only need to go on YouTube and you'll find plenty of videos of people being mistreated. So it happens here. Um there's an article in the newspaper today about um the Met arming five boroughs across London and having special task units to deal with gang crime. And they're all going to be armed officers. Operation Viper. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's news to me. Yeah. standard today. Wow. Now, th that's going to that's gonna lead to more problems. Having more armed police officers in this country on our streets is going to lead to more issues. Does that entail the, like the uh, police officers in that borough only having jurisdiction in that borough though? Like, can they let off the strap if they're only like, if they're from... Um, Man said let off the strap. <laughs> Like if if they're outside their borough, will they have jurisdiction with? Yeah. 
Oh, right. Yeah, as a, as a police officer in the Metropolitan Police Service, you have jurisdiction anywhere in the country. Yeah, so what's the point of only arming... I'm not saying that shit. What is it? Rubber bullets or real bullets? Sorry. Yeah, oh, there'll, be, there'll be real bullets. There'll be real bullets. They're on crud. Yeah, big time. Big time. <laughs> and for <laughs> me, were you, um, were you, you going to ask something, Saki? Yeah. I was going to ask whether your mindset changed affected your personal life. Did your Millwall fan friends still see you the same? Did your family still accept you? <laughs> were they against it? What sort of like, effect did it have on your general life, daily, day-to-day life? Yeah, it's, it's been difficult. And there's been huge repercussions. As I said, I'm now, um, I'm speaking out against racism. I'm speaking out against issues within the police service. And my experience, my family, or not all of my family, but there are um, people within my family that are not happy that I've left the police. Um, there are people, as I said, I come from quite a conservative family. And for me to now be sitting here and saying, okay, white people we have an issue of racism within our community because that's who i'm trying to talk to i'm not trying to deal with anyone else i'm trying to deal with with my own community um yeah that's, that's been hard i've been cut off by people um i've lost family i've lost friends um but it is what it is i'm gonna stand up for what i believe to be right and what i believe to be true and if that's the cost then it is what it is so they they they, they really have sort of strong feelings strong enough to sort of disconnect you rather than just Going, oh, you know, he's he, he, Black Lives Matter, blah blah blah. They, do they feel that strongly about it? That the people that have, you know, ostracised you. I think when I'm coming on platforms like this, when I'm on, you know, I'm in different platforms and I'm giving these interviews and I'm and I'm talking about the issues. Yeah, it it, it offends them. Um, well, so would, would you describe your immediate family as generally like racist? Then would I describe them as racist? Uh, yeah, I would. Yeah, I would. And and maybe not um not not all of them. There are definitely sections within within my family that are racist, and it's it's like I said, it's not an overt outward racism. They don't even realise that they're racist, but the views that they harbour, um, I would consider to be racist. Mm. And I would I would I would imagine that that a lot of my friends that are from different races would would feel the same if they were to be aware of what those thoughts and, and opinions were. How have you challenged them on it? What kind of views are there? Um, just typical, typical right-winged views. So like your average UKIP voter, you know what I mean? It's that kind of, it's that kind of mentality. And and UKIP, depends who you talk to, right? UKIP are not a racist party. I consider UKIP to be a racist party. And a lot of their their views and their policies are, are, are of a racist root. But that would be what some people in my family would, would subscribe to. Have you challenged your family on that? Like, have you said, no, this is wrong or this is right or you should look at a different aspect or have you challenged them? Yeah. Like, and what's their response? But it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard when it's your family. Like, it's easy to go and talk to strangers, but when it's your family and it's a little bit closer to home. Um, yeah, we've definitely had a lot of heated heated conversations. There's been, a, there's been arguments. Um, and I've tried to challenge. There's times where I just try and... And I mean, I'm like, I don't really want to have this this conversation right now. We, you know, we just had the the mayoral election where we got our first um, Muslim mayor. What's your thoughts on that? What's my thoughts on that? Yeah, all power to him. He, we didn't get my vote. You know, I mean, big up George Galloway that was on here. Yeah, of course. George got my vote. George, that's a real guy. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I think it's good that we've got a, a Muslim mayor. That I don't think it's going to change much, but certainly doesn't bother me that that he's a Muslim. Um, but there are people within our community that, that don't like him because he's a Muslim. But then I shouldn't like them, the previous mayor, hypothetically, if he was a Catholic or Christian mm, or yeah. a Jew or... Mm-hmm. 
I, you know what I mean? Or yeah, they're the big, they're the big face. <laughs> Covered all the big ones there. Yeah. That covers them. Yeah, I'm just checking, just checking. <laughs> Can't imagine the Buddhist one. <laughs> oh yeah, shout out to them still. Yeah, big shout. Yeah, no, Buddhist man would be big. It would, would it like, would. Yeah. I think it would try to instill, instill a lot of peace, mm. you know? Not sure how far a, a Buddhist man would get, but I'd love it. I I'd still vote for George, but yeah, big up, big up a Buddhist man. <laughs> big up a Buddhist man. Big up, big up, big up. <laughs> so um, what's what's next for you? Because you, you know, you've just had a, a child, so congratulations. Thank you. Um, congrats, congrats. Is it something like race relations and, and uh, open-mindedness and... Um, you know, is is that something that you're going to teach your little one from from very early, um, like actively, or do you sort of trust in the amazing? Yeah, he's got a little Black Lives Matter baby grow on. Pretty neat. Pretty neat. Very neat. Very neat. What's the, uh, what's the little one's name? Ezra, Ezra Adam Kingsley Pugh, and he's nicknamed Smiley because he was born on the same day as Smiley Culture. R.I.P. Right. Smiley. Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. Cool. Um, reggae roots here. Yeah. No. Mm. But yeah, <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? Because that's one of the uh, that's one also one of the um the the big things that like racist people cling to, isn't it? Like, I'm not racist. Got Bob Marley. <laughs> <laughs> not saying that that's what you've done, but you know. Do you do you, so um. Go <laughs> uh, you got me. You got me. You got me. Well done. <laughs> so um yes, yeah, sport wise, do you still do you still attend Millwall games? Yeah, I'm going on Sunday, playoff final, Wembley. I'm there. Nutty. Then mm. I'm taking my son. First game. Yeah. Yeah, man. Because yeah, I, sp- I suppose it's important to stress that I don't believe that every Millwall supporter is no, of course not a racist. You know, I just I, I feel I feel it's important to to stress that it's just a reputation they've they've earned because mm, of mm, mm. quite a lot of bad apples. And not every white person is racist, but and it is generalizing. But it's about saying we need to recognize that there is this issue here. Millwall has an issue. Not every person is guilty of, but there's an issue here. Yeah. Same thing in, in the white community. Do you, do you believe that only white people can be racist? Do I believe that only white people can be racist? That's a that's a difficult one. Um, how do I answer that? No, because my simple answer is no. No way. I believe that any race has the propensity. But you know what? Everyone I talk to has a, a different definition. What would your definition of racism be? Hating someone for their race. Yeah, Literally, but in like layman's terms. <laughs> I hear that. But, but there has to be a certain element of, of power and influence that comes along with that. See? Well, all right. You're walking down yeah, the street yes. after this. You're walking mm-hmm. down the street after this, yeah? And you're not who you are. You're not an ex-racist. All right? mm. You're just a white guy. Six, six black lads set upon you and batter mm. you because you're white. Hmm. What would you call that? What would I call that? Yeah. You could call it racism. We could call it semantics. It's a race crime, it. isn't it? It's, but at the end of the day, it doesn't change the fact that I'm still more like, I'm still going to find it easier to get a job. I'm still going to be, after yeah, I graduate, yeah, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna get paid more in the workplace. You know what I mean? There, there isn't the same power behind it that has an, an, uh, an ability to be able to affect a whole community. You can hate me because I'm white all you like. But it doesn't, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't take away my privilege. When I begin to hate you for the colour of your skin, there's a difference there because of the power that comes. Arguably, yeah. Yeah, arguably, yeah. There's different yeah, types definitely. of racism. Yeah, definitely. arguably, yeah. But this is the thing. If you, if one white guy... Yeah, if one white guy... Let's, if one white guy hates me, I don't give a fuck. 
<laughs> Sorry, Straight up. I don't care, innit? I simply don't care. What is one? What? Because how I say it, that's why I was talking about classism. Because at the end of the day, I believe in the good in people. It's like we were saying, not every white person's racist. So to assume that, but then to say that there is this very strong, like white privilege, for me, it's a bit of an oxymoron. You understand? Do you get what I'm saying to you? So, so if, if you if you say which you said uh, like a lot uh, earlier on that not all white people are racist, but then got to say that but all white racist. people benefit from from the color of their skin, or all, all white people benefit from that privilege. But then what about the people that are victims of classism but are white as well? Yeah, there's different levels to it. There's different levels to it, definitely. Yeah, it's just it's a, it's a hard one to get my head around. You know, I I still I personally still believe that if you if you don't like someone because of their race, then you're racist. You, do you know what I mean? I just I just believe that because I feel like if you say that only white people can be racist and you are a person who is saying, you know, I I want there to, to I want to instill, you know, mm. inject some good into the world and that, it's still white supremacy in a way. Saying that only white people yeah. can be racist for no, me, I, I feel agree. like I hear it's that. still white mm. supremacy. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. Well, like it's a privilege to be racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only we can be racist. You can't. I hear you. you. <laughs> That's our shit, man. <laughs> yeah. I hear that. But you know what? My, see, my take on it is, is that I, I, there's only certain things that I can speak to. Whenever I hear these, these, these conversations being had, mm. particularly around race, which is an emotional topic, right? Is there's always such an unhealthy conversation. There's always a, a refusal to exist, to, to agree that a problem exists in the first place. Mm. And there's always... If you talk about an issue of race, mm -hmm. you might get told you're playing a race card or you've got victim mentality. You know what I'm saying? It's not my place to speak to the black community, but it's my place as a white person to speak to the white community about an issue that we have. We have an issue. There may well be an issue of race among, among your own community, but that's not my place to speak on that. Do you know what I'm saying? Because as yeah. a white guy, that's that's way out of my jurisdiction so for me as a white guy that's why i'm targeting white people and i'm saying we have a race problem i'm not saying that it's exclusive to us mm. but i'm saying as a part of this community we need to deal with that you, you feel what i'm saying yeah yeah absolutely absolutely i, I feel but again it be, because race is such a touchy subject there are too many sort of um self-contradictory statements whenever you when when in anyone's rhetoric even mine you mm. know and Everyone's and, racist though. Like everyone's racist. Everyone cracks a racist it, joke within the I think it's I think it's human nature. You 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 judge people based on the information that you you're all sponges in it. Mm -hmm. So you judge people based on you, I suppose your brain just does this this uh like it, it takes all the information that it's ever got about someone's appearance and it will compute that and then it will just make a split second it will have a split second thought, an idea. But I think it's up to us as humans to overcome that in it. And that's why I asked, do you not think it's counterproductive to call yourself an ex-racist if, like I've said, there's no existing Good incident point. where someone can say that mm. you committed a racist crime against them? Because for me, like, you know, some people will be like, all right, that dude's a bit sus. Is he trying to infiltrate? <laughs> you know the ones that... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I, I just feel like... We all have thoughts. Mm. We all have thoughts. So my qu my question is, is that if those if those six white guys that are walking down the street, they don't they don't attack you, they don't put a finger on you. Oh, six black guys, you mean? All right. Oh, all right. So, 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 so the, in my yeah, in, 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 if that was in, in your scenario, situation, six yeah, white guys, yeah, yeah, six white guys, they, they don't attack you, they don't commit a, a crime against you, mm. 
but they hate you because of the color of your skin. Yeah, are they? Are they still? But are they? Are they still racist? Yeah, but I wouldn't know it because they ain't. They ain't said anything to me. They just walked past me, and I was like, "Cool, six white guys." Right, but this what there's up, still yo? an issue there with this. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I, just, I, I would genuinely just think, cool, mm. six white guys, if they're not troubling me, they can have as many thoughts about me as they like. What if they ask you for a lighter? Huh? What if they ask you for a lighter? I, I'll lend them one. <laughs> I'll lend them one. But I trust no one, so I like <laughs> I agree with Michael there where, as a British Asian, Mm-mm. I've had things shouted at me from a car or whatever, but you just laugh it off and walk. I've never experienced yeah. racism in a scenario where it's affecting my life, my job or... No, it's just... Stupid racism rather than ignorance. Real, just, yeah, someone's yeah, got someone's, gonna, someone's got to call you name calling, innit? They 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 got to call you something. Terrorist. That's not. I don't see that as racism as such. Stereotypes or but it's never affected my daily life. Right. So I don't. And exactly, and I personally think that if there is a black-owned business which do exist, you know, like, and they want to, and we need to employ only black people, then that's affecting a white person's job if the white person goes for the job. Do you know what I mean? If you got Visions, for instance, indoors, still a black-owned business. If a white person was to go there and they said, well, you're not getting a job because you're white, that's, that doesn't happen. I just want to say it. But if a white person went to Visions and said, I want a job, and then they said, no, because you're white, that's racism, isn't it? What is that white person going to do then? Who's really going to really protect that white person? Where is this white privilege then? You I get me? They I might be able to go and get a job somewhere else, but then a black person who doesn't get a job because they're black can go and get a job somewhere else as well. I hear what you're saying, but I, I feel like, in my opinion, is like these, these things are, are almost a, a response to previous situations. So the fact is, is that, that if, if black people were fairly represented in a community, if they had equal representation, if, the, if they had the same opportunities, then maybe there wouldn't be the need to have black newspapers, to have mm. black businesses. Of course. But there's a need for that because of the way that establishment has, mm. has gone on. And for when I say time, black right? business, I don't mean a, a business that's, count, like, that's acting as a. Um, that's trying to counter white privilege. It's it just Mm-mm-mm. circumstantially, uh, it's owned by black people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They didn't own, they didn't make it for us, by us, all that. It's just a black business, isn't it? Like an Asian business is an Asian business. Yeah, yeah. For real, for real. It makes no difference, does it not? But then that, that would be deemed racist as well, if you know what I mean? If, <laughs> if I was to go mix. get a job in an Asian business and they said, no, because you're not black, then I would feel like they were being racist to me as well. And that's why I said that racism is looked at too much in black and white. Not enough people kind of go, oh yeah, but there are other races as well that we're not yeah, really yeah. thinking about. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, it's because it's most prevalent in the media, the tension between black and white. But then, you know, once in a while, obviously the whole bullshit terrorism thing will come up whenever Asian people are mentioned. But more time it seems to be black and white. Yeah. You understand? And I just, I, like I said, I just feel that every single race has the propensity to be racist and it's about overcoming it. Yes, there are ethnic minorities. So, you know, statistically speaking, white people do have this upper hand in, 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 a, in, in the UK. You know, as, as a black man, I'm an ethnic minority. But do you think racism is just naturally part of human nature? Yes. I think so too. Judgment. You're yeah. going to judge people based on something. Yeah. Let me put a scenario to you. Mm. If I bought a white girl home, would my mum be as happy as if I bought an Asian girl home? And the answer is no. Is that yeah. racist? Yeah, but it's not. It's cultural. It's cultural. It's cultural. That's, that's very different, I reckon, I see. In terms of like... So why is it different? If, if, if a white guy brought an Indian girl home, that would be racist though, wouldn't it? Yeah. They wouldn't, that, that wouldn't be exactly. racist, but I mean, if the parents didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Whoa, 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 we'll bring that back, bring that back. <laughs> you didn't drag her over, you brought her over, she, she was willing, she, she went willingly. 
But that would. So why would that be deemed racist? But but then but then if it's the, on the flip, if, if it's the flip, then it's deemed cultural. This is what me and my family have a discussion about all the time. It's not just white people because I know a lot of older Asian grandmas and gra- who want to keep things Asian and keep things in house or in the circle. And I can't define whether that's racist or not, but some would say it is because you're not welcoming white people in. Yeah. So like I used to call my I dad racist all everywhere. the time. Do you know what I mean? When, when my dad used to like, like my, my dad's Nigerian. My, both my parents are Nigerian. And the main thing I said, these Jamaicans, <laughs> Jamaicans. And it's intersectional, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's, it, I was like, why do you hate our, like, do you know what I mean? We're all, we're all the same. Like, what is the problem in it? Do you know what I mean? But my dad genuinely, man, he- yeah, That was war back in the day. my dad on the next episode, man. <laughs> 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 no, some gems, man. <laughs> About the shit he used to say. But like, I, 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 I don't know. I just, I just, I, I will pull up. I'd pull up my own, my own parent on something, you know, even when my dad is, you know, because uh, my dad's Catholic, he's a staunch Catholic. So if he says something about and even another religion, I'll tell my dad to seckle, you know what I mean? It's as simple as that. Because I don't I don't wanna hear I don't wanna hear ignorance, especially coming from someone from my own family. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I, especially because then I can't chat shit to anyone else. Mm. Yeah. I genuinely can't talk to anyone as if it's happening at home and I can't even try and make a difference in my own home, in my own family. Then I have no right to talk to anyone else yeah. about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think on that note, you should have a little break. Welcome to the second half of episode 011 of GRM Daily's TBC podcast. We're still joined sorry I literally just looked at that um headline I I only just saw it and that's why I wanted to ask you actually have you did you watch this program the last whites of the east end never heard of it tell me tell me about it apparently it was a it, it was on yesterday the 24th of March um May what did I say March for <laughs> fuck um <laughs> and it was basically it seems a lot of untrue purported statistics by the BBC about um, the decline in numbers of white people in the London borough of Newham. I don't believe that. Everything the BBC says is true. They never lie. The B- what you say in the BBC lie. I well, find that very hard to believe. Come on now. This is a, it's, it's quite disturbing to be perfectly honest, if they're just going to display such, not even inaccuracies, it's, mm-hmm. it seems like just pretty much a lie. It's almost as if it was intentional. Mm. Wouldn't surprise me though, with the EU coming up and all of that, you know, it might just be the right time to just drop it, press the button, cause the war. It's crazy because I do, I do actually, I, you know, I respect and I, I would say that I like the BBC in general. Yeah. That's why it's most disturbing to me. You know? But then there's a the different side to the TV and the radio. Like I listen to their radio side of things, but their TV, I don't really pay that much mind to. Like I did want to watch EastEnders, but that's going off topic. But yeah. EastEnders was an institution, to be fair. Um, and I kind of lost interest in that a while ago, but I do like the BBC. And especially BBC Three, for instance. I don't like the fact that that had to go online. I, I thought, it I thought that's slightly racist, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what the fact that BBC Three went? Yeah, on, like I come home late, I want to flick that on and what, watch Two Two Show and laugh. I got to go online now. I just want to press the button on the TV. Like, <laughs> it's easier to now though if it's online, I suppose. But it just 
it makes me feel them that them putting it online it makes me feel that it's less important than anything else but i digress the last whites of the east end so that was on and you you feel it's propaganda for brexit and that do you yeah. i i feel so yeah, yeah. I'm, i could just be talking that smack because i'm drinking the code and that but the i just code. I just yeah, just as a conspiracy theory, shout to Bernard on the yeah, code. he's got the copyright. Yeah, he's I just definitely feel got the copyright as a conspiracy theory and just playing the wild card that it could be a time to drop it and like I said earlier, but I could be wrong in it. I could just be talking shit. What are your What are your thoughts on like multiculturalism? Do you feel that there is a problem if a number of if the numbers of white people in a certain area of London are in decline, even if it was, you know, because it, it, the thing is, it is true, statistically, there are significantly less white people in Newham than there were, what was it, 15 years ago or whatever. But the BBC apparently reported that it was 50%. But according to a census, it's nowhere near that. And that's what's, you know, obviously that's what's disturbing, but... As I said, there is, you know, even if an iota of truth to it, because the number of white people are in decline. Do, do you, do you care about that type of thing? Do I care that white yeah, people? When, are when in you think about the, yeah, when you think about the number of white people in a certain area of London being in decline, how does that make you feel? It doesn't keep me up at night. I'll be honest. <laughs> um, I think, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is what it is, man. It, like we were talking about before, the the, the it, it's an economic issue. I mean, you go back 50 years, these, these estates that are now predominantly Asian or, or predominantly black, these were created. These, these were environments that were created and people have really been forced to live in those areas. So this is something that has been socially engineered. Um, it's not that deep to me, but. I just want to know where they go. Because don't they realise that they're creating a balance? Somewhere, some area has now got more white people in it. And obviously that's got to be a countryside that we've never seen. <laughs> yeah, just... I don't even care to be honest, man. It's just like I'm pretty sure the white community in, in Chelsea and Kensington are still thriving and, and they're they're good. So Yeah, I suppose if you if that's that sort of thing is really gonna make you move out of your own area, then they're better off without you anyway. To be honest <laughs> with you. But I'm gonna keep it real, they could have spent the budget on shooting that on something better, like uh, to be honest. Like... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Because what is that actually gonna do? What's it causing? That information, like, yeah, like what's what it are doing? you actually gonna do with that information? It's poisonous. That's why people in Newham now. I don't understand because that that program was probably on a documentary like that. Probably be on for at least like forty minutes. Taxpayers' money. Yeah, I'm paying my TV license, like just for that to come on, and I'll be hearing about it. That's that's piss, man. Um, yeah, but Ru- but Rupert Murdoch owns News Corp, and he's at, he's openly said that he wants out of Europe. Because he doesn't have any power and he doesn't have any influence in Europe. Fuck that guy. Whereas anyway. in, in Downing he's Street, even, I suppose he's Australian. <laughs> Good eh? He's Saturn. He's just but, like shit like that. Don't really affect him. He, he owns like most of the media in the world. Like he probably doesn't. He probably doesn't even think about himself as being from a country anymore. He can, you know what I mean? He can literally do and go, go do what he wants and go where he wants. Why? Why does he care about? Brexit and all that shit? That don't concern him. Propaganda, I reckon. I reckon it's just fear mongering like, and all that. To be honest, I just think... I forget his agenda is to sell papers, right? Yeah. It's to sell news, sensationalism. If that's what's going to sell the papers. But they ain't even got any... Uh, sell anything. That. It's just put a decent programme on the TV. It works, though, 
The fear mongering. Yeah, works. absolutely. Definitely. That's the scariest thing about Immigration's it. like the big thing, right? When it comes to Brexit, that's the, the thing that's being rammed down our throats. Immigration, that's the problem. Immigration, immigration. But I suppose on, on you know, the other side of the coin is that it does, incidents like that do bring out the best in people. I feel. What do you mean? Like you'll see, you'll see the outcry, for instance, on social media. It will be more, our circle of friends, uh, you know, I know it's a very sort of, um, it's an in, in turn ignorant thing to say and kind of short-sighted thing to say, but because when you really think about it, the, the, the circle of people that we actually communicate with on a daily basis is still relatively small, right? So when, when, when I say something like, you know, you see loads of people that there's an outcry uh, about, you know, there is an outcry against it. Okay, yeah, yeah, um, with you, with it you. makes you kind of see the best in humanity in it. Definitely. But then, like I said, that's kind of a almost like a, a quixotic belief because that circle of friends isn't the wider thing. And somewhere people are like, actually getting pumped by this information. Mm, getting you know gassed. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's some bullshit, man. Like, I think they should just scrap it all together. Put people do nothing on or something, man. Just... Yeah, all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... Just unlimited episodes of people just do nothing. <laughs> on loop. On every BBC channel. <laughs> just, what's on, what's on BBC two? People just do nothing, man. All oh, right, so what's on BBC one? People just do nothing. That'd be sick. That'd be true. It's actually moving to BBC two inside. No way. Shout out, people just do nothing, man. Sick, sick. Yeah, I love, I love those dudes, man. Weapon pause. X. Mm. Yeah, pause, pause. <laughs> nah, um, what is, what's been going on in the week, though? Is there is anything? Is it, has it been, been that bad? dead other than Louis van Gaal getting sacked, Man United winning the FA Cup? Yay! Yeah, true, true. I was going to say congratulations, then I realised it was Man United. So. Don't hate, don't hate. To be honest, we're still shit, but yeah, it's a silverware, you know. What yeah. I mean? Do you do you follow footballs uh, like you, you're Millwall, a Millwall mate. season ticket holder? If they, if they qualify as football, yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I try, innit? I try. Was it there at the West Ham Mill? Right? I worked it, yeah. Yeah, I Worked it. it. Yeah. Policed it. Hey, what side of the law are you on? <laughs> <laughs> when you say you worked it. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so do you, do you have, what is your general take on, what's your general opinion of the police service? My general opinion of the police service is that there are good people there there is an institutional issue that needs to be acknowledged and dealt with. Um, it, it wasn't a career for me. We need that. We need the police. Um, but it is, it isn't an effective system. Um, it doesn't protect people. People don't trust the police, at least in my community. Um, and from my background and it's broken and it needs to be fixed. And if I can be a part of that, then praise God. Fair play. So are you, are you religious? I am religious, yeah. I'm a born again Bible believing Christian, yeah. And that was part of my part of my transformation. Mm. Just going back to the fixing the police issue, mm. if you could make like three changes, let's say, to propose fixing it, what would you do? <sighs> I don't have all the answers. Um, I think it's a it's a conversation that needs to be had. That's why I think that this is so important. I think that we need to have um, we need to have more people from our communities policing our communities. Um, so we need to bring back the power to our communities. We need a police service that represents the communities that they're policing. London is, uh, I read in a paper, I don't know whether it's true, but London is now 52% ethnic minority makeup. Um, but the police service doesn't have a, a representation that matches that. I think that's a that's an issue. I think those are, those are two things that I would change. And I think the type of people 
that they are trying to attract. For me, in my experience, um, and don't get me wrong, there will, do you know what I mean, there will be police pe- people from the Met that are listening to this. I know you want it on my social media activity. I know are you you're serious? Listening, but it's, it, the, the people that they attract seem to be the type of people that either were the bullies in school or were bullied in school. And there's a very much, it's, it's like in, 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 in lots of institutions, but you go there and there's one school of thought. They're all from the same political view. They're, they're all very much, they're, they're like robots. They're institutionalized. all trained and institutionalized to, 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 to think and behave the same way. I just want to bring up on a point that you said that they monitor your social media. Mm-hmm. Like why and how, why, what have you done? What have I done? Yeah, nothing. Right. But I've, but I've, but I've left. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. It just sits. Yeah. Is it because, is it because they know you're outspoken yeah, um, know. about a subject that mm-hmm. kind of directly concerns them? Yeah, I'm, in I'm, some I'm, I'm being outspoken and I'm speaking out against the police, against a, 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 an institution that I used to be a part of. Um, and I'm still friends with people within. I still, I still hear things through the grapevine. Do they hassle you? Like, are they onto you? Did they hassle me? Nah, not currently. Did you keep your radio? <laughs> Did I keep my radio? Nah. <laughs> gonna, hand, gonna hand in my badge and just walk out. <laughs> That's it. But they just be monitoring, they monitoring you like that. I know they monitor my social media activities, so my Facebook, my Twitter. But how, how'd you get this? Is this from inside information or you just know because you well, know? Wait, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not gonna say too much, but I, I, I still have friends that are within the police service. So there's still things that I am I'm privy to. Um, but I know how it works because I was I was part of it. Um, and when you're outwardly and openly criticizing the police, because I am criticizing the police, you got me worried now, man. Like they might be. Now we're gonna me. bump up your views. It's, cool. it's calm. <laughs> They're gonna be onto us now. Like nah, nah, nah. Hold on. <laughs> but yeah, like I was saying, so um, with making a change and speaking out, do you feel like this is going to affect your life for the rest of your life? Like with, in terms of being monitored and like talking about them? I have no idea. I guess we'll have to see where it goes. I think um, my, my, most of my heroes are people that have FBI files against them. You know what I mean? When I look at, uh, when I look at revolutionaries, when I look at people that speak out for justice, whether it be social justice, whether it be matters of race, people that speak up and challenge the establishment, Life isn't made easy for them. Big up George Galloway again on here a couple of weeks ago. And look at him. He was outcast from the Labour Party. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? He, get, he, he, he is a very popular man, but he, his chances of winning the mayorhood now that he's not part of an official party have been damaged. So as we continue, um, you've actually got in your possession something quite interesting um, that sort of ties in with the whole subject of a... Uh, justice and, and how it's supplied by the uh, uh, police uh, service. Um, do, you, do you care to tell us about it and expatiate a bit more on that? So if you're referring to the open letter that I wrote to yeah. the head of counterterrorism, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, there was an incident where um, Commander Richard Wharton, who was head of counterterrorism at the time, he's now, um, now left the police. He was given the option to retire before any action was taken against him. Um, there's justice for you but um yeah he was he was um heavily criticized for his involvement in the Stephen Lawrence case um at the time and the handling of it um and various cases since then he then went on to be head of counterterrorism as I said um I actually wrote an open letter to him I won't read all of it to you because it's quite lengthy but you can find it on on social media but um 
Could you read us like a yeah, a few excerpts? Yeah, I'll read. I'll read you the closing. Um, I, I said, uh, Commander Wharton, I implore you, and indeed every current serving officer, as a former colleague and a fellow human being, to treat these cases in the same way you have treated the case of PC Fletcher. Just for a background, he made a statement. Um, after the, the the death of PC Fletcher, that this was one of the darkest days in the history of British policing, which is a statement that I'm yet to hear him or any other police officer make about the killing of Stephen Lawrence, Damilo Taylor, Mark Duggan, or any of the other countless members of our own community that have been killed at the hands of the police. Um, so that that was the the, the background for this letter. Um, with fairness and impartiality, upholding fundamental human rights, according to equal respect to all people and that you would have the same passion, enthusiasm and resolve to seek justice for the families of those who have lost loved ones following some involvement or other with a police officer. On behalf of all of the families of those names I've mentioned above and those who I have not, who have lost their lives at the hands of the police, I kindly and respectfully ask that you stop, kill it, stop the killing of our people and stop these acts of terrorism against our communities. Regards, Adam Pugh. Um, so that was an open letter that I wrote to Head of Counterterrorism, Richard Wharton, a.k.a. Dick. Not sure well. for Richard. <laughs> no. Not that type of dick, no. no. Okay. Um, do, you, do you feel that... Um, are you so... Are you optimistic about your sort of campaigning when it comes to, as, as you know, to, to quote you, hopefully sort of changing, you know, being, being the voice to your own community, your own people. Um, do you, are you optimistic about that because of your change of heart and mindset? What do you mean? Sorry. Ad. Because you, you know, you know, ex-racist. Mm -hmm. um, are you, are you by virtue of that optimistic that you can, convert other people to be more open-minded and uh, less ignorant. Do you know what I mean? I believe in change. I believe that anyone can change. I believe that in the same way that I have changed, others can change. Um, and I believe in rehabilitation. Whether or not I will, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, it's not about me. It's about us. It's about these conversations. It's about our community working together to, to resolve this and come up with solutions so it isn't about me going out and changing the world and making a difference no, but if do you I can... use yourself in as, as an example as the sort of like the impetus if you like when you are reaching out to people like dick as you called him shout um, out to dick <laughs> shout out to dick Pause. still ain't replied Definitely. to my letter i'm waiting <laughs> do you reckon he's seen it he's seen it do you think so he's seen it I don't want to be followed or nothing, you know that. Bare power. Black cops waiting outside my yard. No one even drives them anymore. That's how. That's why I'll be scared. <laughs> um, yeah, like, do do you use yourself as an as an example as the reason that you reach out to people? Do you know what I mean? It's to, are you optimistic because of your own change? Yeah, I'm. I'm optimistic, and I and I think that um, you have to be the change you want to see in the world for me to go out and start making a difference. I, I can sit here, it's like you said before, about talking to your own family. Before I can sit here and I can start talking to these issues, it begins within me, in my own heart, in my own mind, that process of unlearning. So yeah, I am I am optimistic because of where I've come from. Mm. Um, and like I said, I, I believe in, in the power of change and I believe in the power of the people. And, you and can, I believe and in you, us. You, you believe in you, uh, that you can inflict it as well? 
I believe I can be a part of it. Mm. I can, if, if I can be a catalyst, if my experience, if my, my story can be a part of, of being a catalyst for that change, then yeah, then, then so be it. But it, it takes all of us coming around the table like we are now. It's very rare that I've heard conversations had about race or about these issues that are as healthy as, as the one that we've had here tonight. So for me, this is, this is, a, this is a big deal. Well, on that note, yeah, that seems like a nice place to round it up, to be perfectly honest. Um, cheers. Thank you very much for joining us, man. It was... Uh, Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Mm. Very interesting conversation. Mm. I feel like, uh, yes, yeah, a, a further step was made, no matter how small. Do you know what I mean? And that, that's cool. Uh, join us for episode 012. I'm going to keep on saying the numbers in really weird ways, innit? I'm sorry, I'm not sorry, <laughs> innit? Not 12, episode 012. Of I just want to say 0121 after that. That is so <laughs> tempting. Is. We should probably get Bugsy Malone for it. Um, nah, is this it? We'll be back for 012 of TBC podcast brought to you by GRM Daily, hosted by myself, Michael Payne. Vidal, but he's not here, so Ren. And thank you so much to Adam Pugh for joining us. Big shout out to Vidal. Soon land, soon land home, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Vidal, soon free. Soon, soon. Soon, <laughs> soon home. Um, yeah, now join us for 012. Big up, peace.